Welcome to Cottonmouth Manchester, a podcast for City Centre, Manchester and Salford. I'm Vaughan Allen from CityCo, the City Centre management company for Manchester and Salford. And I'm in Allotment Bar in Manchester's trendy and world-famous Northern Quarter. It wasn't known as the Northern Quarter 10 years ago, but we explored that in previous podcasts. Um, a few months ago, some of you who have been following the series will remember we did uh, something that was named in Blackadder 2 style as beer and was all about... Um, beer uh, and in as part of that podcast I started making the suggestion that uh, there was no railway arch in the city that was safe uh, from the growth of microbreweries and almost immediately I said it I realized that was absolutely wrong because of course microbreweries are very t- 2014 2012 maybe even uh, and everybody has to now have a major brewery and sell it on to a big brewery supplier and you know it, it, it's all uh, wrong now isn't it and anyway every <laughs> railway arch in, in the city is now uh, occupied by a distillery so uh, continuing that theme we're, we're now doing gin which is going to be all about gin um, joined by uh, four guests one of whom will probably be quite silent but is the cutest person around the table it has to be said uh, that's Coco the dog is that right? Yep. Uh, who is utterly lovely. A little bit scared. Looks a little bit like a gremlin. You saw? Yeah. <laughs> a gremlin Coffee. or a Furby. A gremlin or a Furby. Uh... Got some lovely ears. Anyway, very, very cute. Very, very scared. Also joined by Charlie Houston Sykes. Uh, freelance writer, marketeer. Uh, anything blogger, else you like? Blogger, powerlifter. Yeah, all the things. All, the, all, all those, the things. All, those all things. the things that go with gin. Um, <laughs> who, who likes gin so much that her marketing company is, in fact, called Gin Fueled? Yeah. And your Twitter handle is? The Lady Sybil. The Lady Sybil, yeah. Yes. Uh, and also by Seb Healy from Manchester Gin. Yes, so we are one of those uh, aforementioned distillers in uh, a railway arch. So yes, uh, I'm the co-founder, and, or one of the co-founders and master distillers of Manchester Gin. And uh, certainly have, have ridden the, is there a gin zeitgeist? I'm not sure whether that's right, actually. Um, won tons of awards, now in such places as Harvey Nicks, gin, all over. Uh, yes, it's funny you should mention awards, so the reason I asked what time this is coming out, uh, <laughs> it's under embargo currently, as we're recording this, but we've just won uh, the San Francisco Spirits Competition, which is probably the Oscars of the, the gin world. And we just you, won were double you there? gold. Did you get the award? No, so I'm trying to persuade uh, my fiance to, so we can fly out there and pick up an envelope. Uh, I'm not sure that's necessary, but you know, it's, just to make sure we so receive what, it. Oh, you need to make sure that you're maximizing the opportunity. There, Absolutely. Don't you? That's a, that's my a huge marketing listening, opportunity. So it's okay. And also, Lucy from Four Sisters. Yeah. Uh, which is more recent. Yeah, we're a really new distillery. Um, set up last year, but our first gin went to market at the end of January this year. So really new in Salford, Manchester. So not under a railway arch, actually. We're on a really glamorous uh, industrial estate, but um, but maybe one day we'll be uh, under one of those arches. We'll see. We'll see. Cool. Uh, so people are not at either end, because we haven't got anyone from Gordon's at either end of the, the gin trade, <laughs> uh, but of, of the, the recent craft gin. Is that right? Are we allowed to call craft yeah, gin? Yeah, go craft. Yeah. yeah. Super premium. I, I, I know it's craft, craft as a word now has become a little bit more negative, as particularly, I guess, as craft beer has gone up towards sort of £25 a pint and various yeah. other things. Uh, yeah, artisan is the other <laughs> No, I think craft still applies. I think it, when you talk about the nature of what we do, uh, certainly us and Four Sisters and, and a lot of other small batch gin producers, as, you know, to be small, true small batch, I would say you do it uh, in a shing, single shot method. You'd bottle it, label it, distill it by hand. And that's mm-hmm. that, what I would call craft nature. Yes, there are uh, certain companies that would say they're craft, let's say, so to speak, uh, but maybe not make it in such a 
laboriously time. Uh, Are we early enough in that growth of craft gin that you haven't yet got to that point that you have done in, in quotes, craft beer, where craft beer is also produced by multi-billion pounds brewery. Mm, it's already and happening brewers. and has been happening for a while. So because you've also got a lot of the gins that exist uh, produced by bigger companies anyway. So uh, whether it's Greenalls up in Warrington or Langley's down in Birmingham, um, I mean, Langley's reckon that they've got about 350 labels. That's a lot of gin. Hmm. And it's and most of it is recent. So about 90% of it is recent. There's there's some old older stuff, but most of it is so recent. So that's a reaction to seeing a growth in gin drinking and yeah, partially available. partially and partially it's uh, smaller distillers who are doing it on their kitchen tables and have expanded beyond all reason and actually can't genuinely can't cope. So then they'll go to places like Langley's and, and, and Greenall's and get them to make it for them. They'll go with the recipe and go, hi, can you make this? And of course they can. Um, there are those as well who will come up with an idea or a recipe and then go straight to the big companies and get them to batch it for them and then bottle it off site themselves. And then again, you have um, those who see the gin market as a way to make some money. So they go in and go, right, we've got an idea. Can you make a gin for us that has this flavour? And and that's what they do. Um, so Charlie, let's let's have a bit of context here. Oh. This is this is where we go. <laughs> okay, so in 1751, Hogarth did Gin Lane. He did. And then it was Mother's Ruin, of course. Uh, By which so point, how do we yeah. get to this point? So we got to this point here. You got two and a half minutes. So yeah, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. Uh, so start the clock. That's <laughs> the gin craze, um, and we were um, a bit bit of a nation of drunkards. Um, the 1751 Act was actually, I think, the eighth act. It took them eight goes to put in a law that stuck and um, actually had a genuine effect on how much gin we were drinking. We were, It was cheaper than beer, so we were drinking that. The thing that also had an effect was in 1757, we had um, a disastrous grain harvest. And um, the government also passed a law that basically said, no, we're not, nobody's allowed to distill any, any English grain at all. Not going to happen because we've got no grain. We need to feed people. We can't use it for, for booze, sorry. Um, and that all had an impact. Um, the law itself also meant that you had to pay a £50 tax if you were going to distill. Um, and it also meant that, which obviously equates to now to about 200 grand, um, and you also had to produce a certain amount of gin. The amount of gin that you had to produce was a lot. So this was big gin taking over, wasn't This was it, really? big gin taking over, because then in 1761 you had Greenall's got, was set up, or as it then was, was uh, Thomas Dakin's actual distillery, the original distillery. Um, you then have Gordon set up, you have Beefeater. So the, all the big ones, Plymouth, all followed after um, this law had kicked in. And a lot of them that you saw continuing and all those that sprung up afterwards, so Bombay Sapphire, 1987-89, um, and then uh, Hendrix, which was 1999, they were all gins that were already owned by big companies, so they could already afford the, the stupid tax. And I'm going to call it the stupid tax, this is stupid tax. Hmm. Um, could afford the stupid tax and could produce it in voluminous quantities to not only make that money back, but actually hit the requirement from HMRC. And, and was it purely because of that cost that gin went from by from the 18th century being the universal drink of Britain's 
continually through to being by the certainly the 20th century quite a, a very middle class mm. drink to a certain extent you it, it started off as a very poor person's drink and suddenly became because it was more expensive it was licensed it was it was the bigger brands if you like were creating it um it, it became something that the middle class and upper classes would drink instead um and also be partially because the navy took it on so you had um, the plebs down in the the seamen down in the in the the bowels of the ship would have their rum tot and their grog, and the officers would have gin and they would have um, a, a, a gimlet cocktail effectively. So, so a way of differentiating class by oh, what you were drinking. Totally, totally. <laughs> and then you have the raj kick in and uh, tonic, and it being a, a better way to taste. Uh, basically, tonic was the, the the quinine powder that they had to take was very intense and strong. I mean, it would be the equivalent to something like I'm sure it's something daft like 35 gin and tonics today, because the the the, the, the tiny amount of quinine that's in there, um, and so they mixed it obviously with water and so soda water had just come out by that point as well so they mixed it into a into a, a, a soda water and then added gin and that I think made that was the greatest better. ploy they ever pulled it needs to be with gin <laughs> to be palatable I mean yeah. it's well done to them I'd say yeah I think so I suspect it was actually partially down to the whole um uh, officer class thing as well because gin was already a drink of theirs so you know Let's try it with gin, see if that works. And, and the reality is Britain wouldn't have won its empire without most of our troops and officers being permanently drunk, so they just needed something to, to be drinking, possibly, to be helping possibly. helping them with. I didn't learn that in history at school, but I'm prepared to believe it. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're, they're all, well, before the days of having clear water, of course, people would drink eight pints, nine pints of oh, beer a day oh, yeah. because was, that was the only way safer. of getting clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, the effect that it had on them and much stronger beer as well. Um, so... At that point, and I can remember growing up, my, my grandfather, who was very uh, upper middle class, officer class, he'd drink, he'd drink his gin and it mm -hmm. after, after the, the mm -hmm. sun went out over the yard arm. And I remember having a taste of that about nine or ten. And my mum my going, don't do that. It's like <laughs> half a bottle of gin and half a bottle of vermouth in, in every class at that point. Um, how do we get from that point of sort of golf clubs and, and, and whatever of, of gin to where did craft beer, craft uh, gin start coming from? Um, partially, I think to a certain extent the craft beer movement has something behind it because there were people wanting to distill um, and I think it's fair to say that Sip Smith kind of spearheaded it. Um, they wanted to create a much smaller batch gin. They wanted to do it with that sort of craft feel to it, that 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 um, uh, artisanal um, feeling behind it and it took them it still took them two years of negotiation with HMRC to get this stupid law changed it still exists in a pared down form and it's it's still something that has to be negotiated with everybody who wants to make gin but it's a lot easier and a lot cheaper than it was um, it's free actually Oh, is it? It's free, yeah, yeah. Oh. Just, just a hell of a lot of bureaucracy. Yeah. Standard. <laughs> so it depends whether your time is expensive to you. <laughs> and so when was Sipsmith? So that was they started negotiation with HMRC in two thousand and seven. Two thousand and nine, they distilled their first gin. And I mean, we'd already had a few gins kind of come over from the continent. Things like Javine had come over and Larios had come over and stuff like that. But they were, again, still made by big companies. 
uh, so after Sipsmith, and uh, it, it was almost an, a ripple out effect, as in everybody helped everybody else through the net. How do yeah. you get? How do we jump through these hoops? How do we get there? What do we need to do? How do we fix it? Um, until you've got to the stage where you've got people literally making it on their kitchen tables and in cellars I can and testify sheds. Testify to that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and sheds in the back garden and and stuff like that. So in some ways, it's a British response to craft beer, which is a very American thing. Craft vodka, which is a very Eastern European and French thing, bizarrely as well. And whiskey, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so, which, which has always worked. Um, Seb. Yes. Why did you start? How did you start? When did you start? Uh, and what happened how, next? How, when, why, and where. <laughs> so, uh, well, it was about five years ago. Uh, I was actually out uh, with two of my friends. And they were chatting with two women. And I got really bored. And as romantic as it sounds, said, I'm going to go speak to the nearest unattended woman. Uh, much as my fiance will love me telling the story uh, and she was sat there so I walked over and the first thing I ever said to her is what are you drinking and the first thing and the first word she ever said to me was gin and tonic and we fell in love and then we we were doing something that all 20 something say they're going to do which is open a bar and in researching opening a bar uh, we were put in touch with a guy in Sheffield who was taking us around all of his operation and in one of them he said do you like gin sort of nonchalantly and it was like yes obviously uh, and he took us into the back room where he showed us a man making gin on a 30 litre still, which is tiny. Uh, and as soon as we saw that, we thought, Christ, you know. You fell in love again. Yeah. Uh, for the second time, let's go with you. Uh, and so we realised that we thought, you know, gin was made on a huge scale in a warehouse. Um, but as soon as we saw it made on a very small table, we thought, you know, why the hell can't we have a go? We thought it was going to take about three months Uh uh, when we saw it, uh, it did take 14 months, it turns out. But we, as we were talking about before, uh, we started in our dining room and we stayed in our dining room for 15 months. And people sort of uh, say, we can't make a lot of gin in your dining room. I think I'm right in saying that we made just shy of 25,000 bottles in those 15 months. How long did it take you to get to the right recipe? It took four months. So that's, so I always say when you come up with the recipe and you know, I've said to many, many people, making gin is really, really simple. If you can use a cooker or you can use a stove, you can use a still. But the hardest thing, it's like, I always liken uh, uh, gin making to cooking. So a mission star chef can give you all the ingredients that went into his soup, but you never make it. And it's the same with gin. I will give you all 12 of my botanicals, but bearing in mind, we weighed to two decimal places. It took us four months to develop the recipe. And we go from anything from 400 grams down to 0.7 grams. You know, you would never, you know, what's the adage about a million monkeys and a million typewriters and Shakespeare? You know, you get there eventually, but realistically, it, it takes hard work and a really good palate, I think, to make a good gin. I was going to say, even um, Joanne Moore, who's the master distiller up at Greenall, said that she could, she could try a gin and get an approximation, but she'd never get it bang on. Because it because it, there's too many variables to play yep. with. So when when you were developing, were you drunk you, all the time? Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, so, how, okay, I was going to say that one. How do how do you manage that? Well, the, how do I manage being drunk all the time? <laughs> yeah. Not drive. Um, <laughs> get the bus. How did you get here today? Yeah. So um, no, basically, well, we we did when we when we come up with the recipe, we bought 26 of the most premium gins, and we put them all in a line. And it's the only time my galley kitchens come in use. And we put a glass in front of all 26 and went down the line meticulously, drinking them all. And then from those 26, got down to 12. Of those 12, we then thought, well, we've bought the gin, so we'll make gin and tonics now. And then made gin and tonics. And then of those 12, got down to six. It's at this point, my memory's a bit sketchy. 
Um, but we were left with three, uh, which was Tarquins, Monkey 47, and 50 pound. And then we started exploring what goes into there. And then that gives you a crux of what your palate likes. And then you just go mental. And, and had either you or your partner any experience in no, we working were, your way back from tasting a gin to what was in it? And no, sort of we were seasoned gin drinkers uh, and still are. Um, but no, we, we'd have no experience. But it's, it's, you know, for the love of gin, as people say, you know, you just plug on and try your best. Excellent. Lucy, um, same, same for you. Uh, holding a dog at the same time. Um, Multi-talented. Yes. Um, <laughs> your background. Our and background. How did you get into gin? Okay, and, right. Um, well, there's, 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 just like Seb, there's a story behind um, our distillery. So we are four sisters, um, for, born and bred. Not just a marketing label. No, we are actually genuinely four sisters, um, born and bred in Salford. Um, and we also have seven brothers who brew beer. So they're Seven Brothers Brewery. It's a podcast um, in itself. So <laughs> the there's, a, there's a musical there. So, yeah, I know, we grew up on it. <laughs> so um, so there's another craft beer connection. Um, and the boys had been going about four years and uh, they're going from strength to strength and um, already uh, increased, in fact, tripled capacity with their brewery and um, transitioned into a brand new brewery, actually, um, Sulfur Keys. Um, so as four sisters, we've been supporting them, but watching them carefully and thinking, and there was sort of the, the usual typical family sibling rivalry, loving sibling rivalry, never any fallouts as such. But we always used to say to them, do you know, we could do this. And well, do you know what? And we could do it better than you. Totally do it better than you. So there was always a bit of fun behind it. Um, and then the joke just steadily became more and more serious. Um, same as Seb and Jen, no experience in the industry. Um, we were very aware of that. Um, I've got my own event management company, which I've had for 14 years. My three sisters all work in education as teachers. Um, so it was the decision of, right, okay, we know we want to do something together. What do we do? So as a marketing, with marketing sort of head I have on with, my, with what I do, um, I said, well, we're going to have to do something in the alcohol industry because the power behind the story would, is potentially kind of quite great. So, um, and then we looked at how, what's, you know, what alcohol and spirits were the most accessible and gin and vodka were the two most accessible from coming from no experience. Plus it was our mum's favourite drink. So talking about what gin's normally mixed with, mum used to have it with uh, gin and uh, orange juice. Um, so she always used to have that when she was younger. I don't know whether it was orange cordial or whether it was orange, uh, fresh oh, orange juice. Cordial. So not to cut you off, Go on. The, the one time I took my grandma and granddad, a first, a batch one bottle of six, I think it was, to don't try. Don't tell me. I'd spent 14 months crafting this, <laughs> you know, lovingly made it, took it to their care home. And my grandma went, I was like, I brought all the fever tree in the world. You can have Mediterranean, all of it. She went, no, I want orange concentrate. Yeah. And so there is yeah. genuine a photo I showed to her the other day of my grandma. And she got, I gave her a double. She necked it instantly. Mm. And went, mm, I'll have another one. There was no appreciation. <laughs> so it's just concentrate, yeah, orange yeah, cardio. Just how much work has gone so into it. So there you go. Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, so that's how it came about. So we decided to do, um, there's Seven Brothers Brewery and now there's Four Sisters Distillery. So... 
And sorry, how long have you been going? About a year? So we set up um, August of last year and we um, it took, well, it took about eight months to get our first uh, and, and where are you sold through? Gin. Well, just that's exactly what we're, we're working on now. So we're just in, um, we're just sort of starting to look at working with distributors. We've got we've got on board with a few already in a few independent independent retailers. Um, just have we're about to get an order from Booths, which is great for us. Um, and just starting to get out there now across the scene and, and across Manchester scene and beyond. Really, do you think those contacts through? The brothers. Yeah, we're really lucky. We know we know already that we're already going to tap into their routes to market, which we're quite lucky to have, um, and that's great because and a lot of people who are stock seven brothers instantly are saying, right, okay, can I speak to your sisters? Which is great, but then the places they're not in, like the specialist gin bars and things like that, that's where we want to be, obviously. Um, so we are going to have to do, you know, a certain amount of work, obviously ourselves, without surfing the brothers' wave too, too much. Seb, so go, going back to you, um, on that first, after you've produced the first gin that you were happy with, yep. um, had you already got, like, 64-page marketing plans and oh, business God, plans no. and sales plans there? No, no, no. How did you actually go out and sell? Uh, how did, well, our full business plan consisted of two pages and about 350 words. Uh, which I still have today. Were you both working at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so both work full-time. So I, we we had the bottles ready on the Tuesday in May 2016. The labels were delayed, so I had to go pick those up in Preston. Uh, and so the first bottle got labelled on the Thursday night. Uh, and I ha- I'd booked the Friday off work, so had Jen. And we did the only thing we thought was right and just took it to every single bar that we could think of. We didn't realise at the time that when you took it into a bar and said, do you want to try this new gin? They'd all say yes, but they'd get three glasses out. And so you start at 11 in the morning and you're sampling your own gin straight at 11 in the morning. You think this is amazing. What a great way to what a great way to earn a living. And then by the time it gets to four o'clock and you're slurring your words in Algato Negro, saying, make hard tales. Less professional. Um, but that's the way genuinely we did it. So we went around and said, try our gin. And how, that's, how many days were like that then? They're still like that, so that I'm still convinced that's how you do it, uh, rightly or wrongly. Uh, that's your method. Yeah, and we're doing all right with it. So just go out drinking, yeah, take definitely. the dog, as I would always recommend. Yeah, yeah, she's always a winner. She's a charmer, isn't she? Yeah. But it was actually when we when you were asking earlier about and speaking, and you know, Charlie was saying about um, companies outsourcing to those bigger companies. When we were putting the plan together, so we we did do it a little bit more kind of business sort of. Uh, minded behind it in terms of we did do a business plan and had it all laid out and things like that so um, because we just thought that was the right we wanted to we were sort of almost just trying to prove not maybe not prove but just make sure that we were serious about it before we then because we didn't actually tell the brothers for a while We, what was their reaction? Uh, th- th- on the whole, well, and they were a bit. Then. Can I just <laughs> actually? Can I just tell you a little story? Honestly, we actually got caught red-handed. So, um, we've. I've got a friend who I've done an event for in the past who owns um, uh, a new distillery, a rum, a rum distillery in in Manchester. Coincidentally, in one of the arches. Yeah, it's actually behind ours. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I, were, I did a job for Craig, who's one of the uh, distillers there, and I knew he'd set up a rum distillery, so I'd set up a meeting and said, can we just come and see you? Can we have a look at your still? We're doing gin, don't worry, we're not doing rum. And uh, he's a really, really clever guy as well. He's a professor at, um, at Manchester Uni. And, um, 
And, uh, and we did, so we went to see him with two of my sisters, but Cholton Brewery, a couple of arches up, were doing a vegan food day. And uh, my, my brother's uh, wife was, was, you know, slowly but surely becoming vegan. So as we came out of this distil- distillery, who put, gets out of their car but my brother and his wife, and he was like, oh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Anyway, we were all the worst liars in the world. So we just We've literally couldn't think of anything off our feet and on the top, like, you know, on our feet. And we just literally just confessed. We just went, oh, we're setting up a gin distillery. And, uh. So uh, Kit, my brother, was like, all right, okay, great. So, so he was really straight away. So as soon as we saw his reaction, we thought, yeah, we need to tell the guys now, really. Um, and plus, I think brothers do speak to each other. Yeah, so yeah, it was no, going no. to get out. That. We did say, we did <laughs> say to him, "Don't say anything because <laughs> yes. none of the others know." So, um, but they reacted really well. But it was in those initial stages we were the sort of thinking, "What do we do? Do we go down the road of making it ourselves, or do we, um, you know, talk to someone else to make it for us?" In fact, we and we spoke to Seth. You did. You spoke to me. So, and and because we had, you know, industry role models that we were looking at, and 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 Manchester Gym were one of them, and I think that made it. Slow slightly easier for you that you're a couple of years down and in, in, in sort of the chain of craft gin yeah possibly possibly yeah we really did look at the market and look at who we were at who was out there and um we did similar to what seven gen did in that we individually picked out the one the gins we liked as well and, and the reasons why we liked them whether it was the, the taste and, and the, the the you know the, the flavor of the gin or whether it was the branding or their branding their marketing everything we sort of put them all together and we picked out what we wanted ours to be like um so we did that as well but we did look at outsourcing it and um, but for us it just didn't feel like honest enough it didn't feel authentic if we're going to stand there at yeah. gin festivals like just like Seb and Jen do we wanted to be able to say this is how we make it and this is yeah. what we do no, and I can agree with that sentiment and I think that's where people sort of say the do the gin market saturated now I think that's where the next sort of wave of, of I was going to swear again, the next wave of snobbery will come from, or not necessarily, but the, the, being informed, you, then you'll get into the provenance. And like Four Sisters, we're very proud to say we distill it, bottle it, label it all by hand. We've got nothing to hide. And mm. you can see it all over our Twitter, all over Instagram. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. yeah, that's someone bottling. There's the stills. Yeah. But I think that is the next move in two or three, or maybe two years down the line, people start, we're already getting asked time and time and time again. So is it made in Manchester? It's like, well, yeah, yeah. A strange yeah. name if it's not. I know, yeah, yeah but yeah. you know, strange things have happened up and down the country, and I think that is the next move when I people all start gins digging. Aren't made in London anymore. Well, technically, London dry <laughs> gin is anything that doesn't add sugar, so it doesn't only adds water or more alcohol after distillation. But that is the next move: is people getting really up, to, up uh, knowledgeable and savvy about where it's actually made, and if you. And that's like you say, you can stand in front of someone, yeah. brass as anything, and go, well, this is where it's made, this is how we do yeah, it, and that's what absolutely. goes in it. Yeah. I've got this vision now of somebody following you guys, whereas when you started, you had 12 vodkas and you narrowed it down. Presumably now you have to start with about 45, 50 vodkas. Uh, Jesus, gins, sorry. Gins, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would encourage anyone who's going to make your own, you buy loads of it. Obviously buy a bottle of Four Sisters and, and a bottle of Manchester Gin. Manchester, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's... I think it's, it's a really funny, I always say it's a really funny way to make a living. And, you know, from mm. us, we've only been in the industry two years. We, I mean, I mean, it sounds like you guys started a little bit more professionally than we did. We, I mean, if you look at our original, um, 
our original story that was taken. So the photos are still used by the MEN today, which makes me laugh. The three bottles of our, of our signature recipe that were taken were taken on our bedside table because it gave a black base. And then <laughs> the photo of me and Jen as a couple, it took us like... Tw- we did it on a selfie stick in front of our fireplace at home, genuinely. So you can see the, the wood... So it looks like we could be like in like a tatty building uh, around Manchester, but it's actually we've exposed all the brickwork. And it took us ages because we didn't realise that when taking a selfie, you have to look at the camera. So we're like, why do we look so strange? But yeah, so... And they're still using that. Um, Charlie, how does the Manchester scene compare to other cities around the country and cities around the world? Oh, now you're asking. We, we actually, I think it's smaller, but most of what we would say are Manchester gins are actually made in Manchester. There's a couple that aren't. Um, <clears throat> but most of them actually are made here. And, and are, are like these two are very open about how it's made and, and what's involved in the processes and stuff. Um, there's a couple that aren't um, and what we're finding it, interestingly in general in the market is that those who don't necessarily make their own and have their own stills and stuff are, are relatively just quiet on that front they don't say anything they don't you know they'll talk about the botanicals and the idea behind it and the story and what have you but they, they are just in general quite quiet about how it's made you know they might mention that it's made in a x thousand litre still or something along those lines but they won't actually be able to generally give much detail um which is quite interesting the scenes i mean the scene's growing now we've got four sisters and we've got fenny street now as well um and i've been told there's one coming in rochdale um who i'm possibly meeting later this week but we'll see so it's it's slowly growing but it was quite funny when i when i met fenny streets and i was chatting to them i actually used uh, manchester gin as an example and they they were saying so yeah we're making it in our kitchen in our in our on our house i was like yeah give it two three months you'll be moving they, then almost literally a month later on their instagram they were like yeah so we're researching distillery premises yeah, i was actually emailing <laughs> them this morning because so, uh, we they had the same problem we so with a, a sort of a handmade copper still, it sounds exotic. It's just a guy in Portugal beating yeah. the crap out of a bit of copper. Yeah. And yeah. inherently, they don't fit together very well. No. Uh, and so, but I would say they make the best gin. And the, where I'd get that from, not just because our gin's made that way, and the same as Four Sisters is, if you look at any, uh, any gin distillery in this country that's won uh, a double gold at the San Francisco, uh, an Idiversity gold, or a Spirit Masters gold, I can name... Three, I think, off the top of which is ourselves, uh, at Masons, and Tarquins. We all use the same piece of crap, pot <laughs> kettles, uh, you know, pot yep. handmade yep. copper still, but for, it's all single shot method. They're all exactly the same. And that is where the actual best gin in the country is coming from. So much as they don't fit together, they seem to produce really excellent gin. Maybe it's the, the not fitting together that makes, Maybe that's makes what it the is. difference. Yeah. Yeah. If they fitted together too well, that would be... It um, would make life too easy. It's a nightmare getting the flour paste off that you use to create the seal around each of the edges. It is so that's why, I'm, that's why I'm being... I mean. So what you want to do is you want to put olive oil in there or any oil which loosens it and it snaps off. See, this is what I love. Yeah, there you go. Or uh, <laughs> you can use silicon bands as well. We had a chat. We, in fact, we were at um, um, a gin night at uh, Alston, Alston, weren't yeah. we, a few weeks ago. And uh, it wasn't, wasn't actually that busy. It was quite quiet and it was so lovely. And I just sat down next to Seb and I said, Seb, we're having a problem. Like, we just, our, our gin at the very last second um, uh, goes cloudy. 
when we're taking it down to 40%. And and we just, and, he, and straight away, he just said, try this, try that. And it was just like, and then um, we emailed, did you get that email? I think Hayley emails used to say, thanks for the tip, it worked. And um, so it, it, that's, I think, I think really Manchester, I think has, has got a great sort of real strong sort mm. of community of distillers now. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a great thing. I'm really proud to be part of it as well. Yeah. So, and yeah. I think if you look at how many gin you know, people say that there's you know, God, there's I think there's five or six now made in Manchester. And it's like, um, well that's is it ten? Well uh, right. ten Manchester ten let's Manchester go, gins. Let's go with ten. ten Manchester gins. Uh, but even say so, if you look how many made in London, you're or Yeah. I mean Christ there's and we're the second city. And so it took us longer. It did. We were a lot slower than you'd think, given that we've got green oils up the road. It took us yeah. a lot longer than I was expecting. And then it, then the one that was supposed to be in the city centre is only just going to be in the city centre. It's, oh, my goodness. So Thomas Dake was originally going to be, and they launched it when they launched it in 2014-ish. About that, yeah. Um the whole idea was that although it was going to be, it was made initially up in Warrington, they were going to open a distillery in the city centre of Manchester. And it's now still in the future, but it's actually going to happen. Yeah, that's so. in the pun. It looks and sounds <laughs> looks awesome amazing. what we're going to do. So I'm looking forward to Alex inviting me on the VIP night. Alex, yeah, if you're yeah. listening. Yeah, hint, hint, hint. And, and, that, <laughs> and then in... It, in the parallel with the, the distilleries growing, of course, then we start to get specialist gin bars, but also, I guess, growth in tonics. Massive, thousands, thousands massive. of tonics. So yeah. I, I'm interested in the decision-making process that decides whether you're going to go into making the gin or making the tonic. I suppose the tonic, you can also put it with other drinks You can't well. get drunk on tonic, that, I think, there is my that. main yeah. problem. Uh, <laughs> it was always it. gin. <laughs> but, it's, but it's also, it's because you're using chinchona bark, it's also slightly dodgy. It's, it's actually quite toxic. So you have to be very careful. The, the way, if, you're go, if you're going for a, a proper tonic, you have to be careful in the method that you make, in the way so that you make it. So even craft tonics have to be made in particular conditions yeah so it's still it's still they they have had a couple of cases i believe of poisoning related to it yeah but even but gin always, is the cure, yeah, always use more gin than tonic is yeah, what i'm totally, hearing there totally. or, no, um, or no tonic <laughs> <laughs> and then alongside you're starting to see that sort of I mean, how many different varieties do you do now three or uh, four uh, we, well we technically got four uh, i say we've got three in the core range uh, which is our signature, which is a citrus led. We've got a raspberry infused, which is a flavoured raspberry infused in, or we've got wild spirit, which is based on the botanicals that grow in the woodlands of Manchester. So it's a really herbaceous, savoury style gin. The reason we have four, technically, is we've got one called Overboard, which is our navy strength gin. And to be completely <laughs> honest, it is a vanity project. Uh, because I don't know if you've, if you've got from my interview that I do quite like gin and alcohol. <laughs> Uh, so that was personally for you, was it? Yes, but it's to do with. The, but I also think about it, it's to do with the, the history of gin. I'm real, you know. I I loved and I've been drinking gin in bars in Blackpool since I was 17. Um, and you know, we talked before about the navy making it so big, and to not have a navy strength in sort of my portfolio. One, I love booze, but two, I love the actual the heritage of gin itself. So it is a vanity project. It 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 barely sells, but and but it's done fantastically well at some awards but it's more for me that I can just have it on the shelf I have one at home that's not handwritten that's properly <laughs> printed with a proper label um, but yes yeah, so we technically have four but realistically three that's in the sort of mainstream public I'd say as, as you expand are you going to see 
more different varieties made? No. And, and you, so you're going to keep for it to For us, no. So we've got a core range. So we say, if you like a citrus led gin, have the signature. If you want a really herbaceous, dry, savoury style gin, wild spirits for you. And if you're at the other end where you're looking for a flavoured gin that's a, that's a bit sort of accessible when you come into the market, have a raspberry gin. Or if it's sunny, have raspberry. But that, for me, corners the sort of, what I would call the sort of three pillars of where your tastes are. If you don't like one of those, I'd potentially suggest rum or whiskey. And Lucy, is the business plan to do one, two, three, four? Yeah. Um, we, uh, so we launched our signature gin, our classic gin, um, uh, which has, uh, it's citrus, juniper, but we add a lot of blueberries into our signature gin as well. So it's got a hint of sweetness in there too. Um, and we just about, well, in fact, by the time people hear this, our strawberry edition will be um uh, ready and out there. Um, we want. We thought we want to have a little bit more, a bit of fun. Not a bit more. Don't mean to sound like you're not having fun with your gin, Seb. We're going to have a little bit of fun with ours. I think we're actually going to um, put out four flavoured gins. Of, doesn't have to necessarily be sweet flavours, of course. Um, and one for each sister. Um, so that's nice. That's so, so nice yeah. Now you're gonna have a competition though. Which yeah. sister's best? Uh, exactly. <laughs> I know. It's uh, we don't know what's how that's gonna pan out, but we'll see. Um, so our strawberry edition is Kerry's um, uh, choice. So she's sister number one. Then Haley, she's not. Uh, she, she's she's working on hers now. Um, Kate is a caffeine addict, so she really loves the idea of doing some sort of coffee-based gin. And then me, I don't yeah, know. I'm last. Right. I'm last too busy selling it at and the you moment. you share the signature one then? So, and yeah, and our signature one is obviously our core sort of classic flagship gin. Um, whether they stay as special editions or permanent lines, we don't, we, we're not sure yet. We're just going to see because it's all, this is all really new to us. So, but we want to enjoy it at the same time and, and see. There's so many flavoured gins. We don't want to produce things. We, we've gone for a strawberry edition. We tried so, for our first one, we tried so many sort of different quirky kind of flavours and everything. And and just we just got to the point where we're just like this just not, is not working. We just don't mm. like any of them. There's lots of sort of you know weird and wonderful ideas coming out at the moment. You know this because it's, it's start, the market's starting to go the way that vodka did about a decade ago with yeah. some really yeah. fa- frankly foul concoctions. And I think you know uh, toffee, toffee apple vodka. Yeah, exactly. If it introduces someone into gin, then you're going to have to sort of accept that. But yeah. again, once. So, you know, for instance, with our raspberry infused, we say it's an infusion because well, it's distilled and macerated with raspberries, but underneath it all, it's gin. And if you can't taste gin, you end up, then you, much as you call it a flavoured gin, it's you, you like make it with some <laughs> juniper and some sugar in. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we it, didn't want that. For me, fundamentally, if you're calling something gin, it, you know, the, the legal definition of gin is predominantly juniper berry. Yeah. And if your predominant flavour isn't still juniper, if it's just sugar and whatever flavour you put in there, then yeah. for me, I would argue that's actually not gin. Yeah, I would agree. Our strawberry edition is still 40%, um, and it's it's an infusion of strawberries um, on our based on our signature gin. So it's... Um, it, it's got that hint of strawberry, but still, you know, it, it's not kind of sickly sweet. We don't add any, you know, sugars to it or artificial flavours or anything like that because we still want to create a sophisticated drink. So, yes, we, we are going to look at sort of other options, playful options, but ultimately we still, all of them are still going to be, have that sophistication behind them because to reflect the quality of, of our brand and also for it to be a good gin. Yep. 
Sophistication was the word I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good word. Um, just, to, just to round up then, what immediate plans for you guys? Um, what's just have next? a gin and tonic. No. Um, Poss- possibly more than this evening. Over next? the next few um, months. Well, we're just going to sort of ride the... Because no one knows, like I say, about the San Francisco double gold. So we're going to try and ride that wave and... And, Congratulations uh, thank on that, you very by much. the way. So it's amazing. I think, and I'm just checking, I'm 99% sure in the last calendar year that will make us the most awarded gin in Britain. Amazing, brilliant. Um, so we're going to look at doing something with that. Um, and then there may be an announcement from our distillery uh, about something that, that will feed into our, our love story a little bit more, uh, shall we say. Intriguing. Uh, that, that will happen hopefully <laughs> soon. And then... Just knuckle down because Christmas is a hell of a period. Mm. Uh, and so it will be mate gin, mate gin, mate gin. Oh, we're buying a new still as well. That's what we're buying. One that doesn't fit together, presumably. No, we're going to have to go slightly bigger. Um, so just to, to keep up with the demand. So it's picking the right one because, again, that integrative flavour is the most important thing. And when mm. you... It's been a... It's a decision I'm bound to struggle with for many, many more months. And then... Will you, will you then still use the old... still? Yeah, we particular? use them all. So we, we've, we've got Wendy, which is named after Jen's mum, who sadly passed away. Uh, one, because she loved... She was called Wendy because she loved gin. Uh, and she's a fiery redhead, like our still. Uh, we've got Victoria named after Victoria Wood. And we've got Emmeline after Emmeline Pankhurst. But they're all... So that we call them our three copper ladies, I think. So they will all get used still. Um, but you just need to add a fourth to the... Excellent. And for four sisters? Um, we are just going to keep kind of getting out there, getting our, our brand and our sort of our gin out there as much as possible. Um, try and raise our profile. We're still really new. We know that. Um, we've our still, we've got one still at the moment, Frederica, who's 200 litres. And we, we named her Frederica, so our parents are named Frida and Eric. So it's oh, a combination nice. of their yeah. names. Because all the brothers, they've got all the, their vessels. They've literally stolen all the names out there. They've got our grandparents and everything else. So, so they've got all these names. That's so, what happens when they've trebled size. It's yeah, like, yeah. Come on, leave one behind. I know. So um, uh, looking to obviously just sell as much gin as possible. Um, working on our next flavour already. Um, and we are hoping to do a really nice sort of fun collaboration project with the brothers and do a beer gin product, some shape or form. Cool. Don't know, maybe call it 11 or something. That would work. <laughs> how how inventive, how original, how original. <laughs> and Charlie, where do you see the market going? Market. I thought you were going to ask what I'm going to be doing. No, we're, we're oh. going to end with that. Oh. Okay. Um, Market-wise, um, I get accused that I'm slightly. I'm always looking too far into the future, which is, yeah, I'm about six months ahead of everybody else. I think. Um, How are my sales in six months? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think we'll see a refinement to a certain extent. Um, We've got, there are some absolutely bonkers things coming out. And I think some will stick because they are just completely kooky. But we are seeing kind of everybody jumping on that gin bandwagon. So I think we're likely to see some refinement and some some of the, I don't want to say bad gins because there is no bad gin. It's just how you drink it. Um, 
but some of those that are less popular, shall we say, will will start to see a decline, I think. Um, but what's really good is that this year we have the 18-year-olds and they will have basically just started drinking gin and tonic and that's where they'll start and that's where they'll continue. So they'll be the ones in their old age who will still be drinking a gin and tonic like our grandparents were and so on, which I think is really nice. Um, it's, it's, it's what they will know as a popular drink and it's kind of what they'll probably cut their drinking teeth on. Yeah, I mean... I not to extend it too much longer. The, for me, the gin market's going to grow still. It's oh, yeah. not there. It's not, everyone said it's going to reach a peak. I'm with you. Once someone's picked up and decided to drink a gin and tonic, it's very hard to then say, mm, I no longer like that. Yeah. I've been drinking it since I was 15, and I'm 40 this year, so I'm doing all right. <laughs> and what's next for you? For me, well, gin day. So 9th of June. Um, and I've got big plans for it. I'm working with Canal Street and Unlock Manchester and First Street and quite a lot of bars, including this one. Um, and just got to pull that off. They'll be fine. It'll be all right. Won't be a problem. Uh, <laughs> ordering the wristbands on Friday. It'll be fine. And where Not do people find out more about that? Um, the website is literally being built almost as I speak. So it will be worldgindaymcr.co.uk um, or just follow me tweeting madly about it over the next few months. Which is the Lady Sybil. It but is the Lady Sybil. But there are weird dashes in it, aren't there? Weird, yes, the underscore lady underscore Sybil. It was the only one available and I have a Terry Pratchett thing. And if you know the Lady Sybil, she's a bit of a battle axe and I kind of like that. So that's where it went. Cool. And Lucy, how do people find out more about you? Uh, they can go on our website, um, sistersdistillery.com. But instead of a T in the sisters, it's a number four, just to make things a little bit more complicated. <laughs> Possibly um, a Google for Four Sisters Distillery would also Yeah, or you that. can just, yeah, Google, yeah, if you Google Seven Brothers, Four Sisters, then we come up in all sorts of different uh, ways. Um, and our Twitter handle, uh, uh, again, uh, it's actually Four, F-O-U-R, Sisters, again, with the T as a four. So, um, yeah. Cool. And finally, Manchester oh, wait, Gin, no, how do we simple. find out more just, about Manchester Gin? Just remember the name. So, <laughs> manchestergin.co.uk. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, no. That was easy. <laughs> Coming soon to an awards ceremony near, near you, you as yeah. well. Uh, thank you all very much. Thank you to Charlie, you. to Seb, and to Lucy, and to Allotment for hosting. Thank you. Uh, you can find out what's up next on Cottonmouth MCR, on Twitter, or cityco.com backslash podcast. No, forward slash podcast. Nobody does backslash anymore. That shows how old I am. First wave of the web. Uh, we were on all good... Uh, podcast services Acast iTunes and a number of others if you want to suggest who we should be talking to next just tweet me people that's the easiest way and please leave a review preferably a good one if it's a bad one we'll have a conversation about it thank you very much thank you